Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Now, Leon Tailoring is also well-known, we all know, for their tailor-made clothes, but you also know they're ready for their custom-made and ready-made clothing as well. That's right, clothes that are right there on the rack that you can buy and pick up, and they'll make the alterations included in the price. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. And of course, then you know, if they want something tailor-made specifically just for you, then they can do it. So whether it's tailor-made, whether it's ready-made, or whether it's custom-made, it is for you and you specifically. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you and happy to take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, with mental health uh, taking some prominence these days, we thought we'd figure out how to see how things are going here in the state of Indiana. So join us in studio with Steve McCaffrey, who's the head of the Mental Health Alliance of Indiana. So Steve, my friend, always good to see you. Thank you very much for coming by. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Abdul. And thank you so much for all of your support. And you know, I don't know if all your listeners know, but you're the annual MC <laughs> of Hoosier Idol, Mental Health America's major legislative event during the session. You've done that forever. Uh, forever. I forget how long, but yeah, appreciate it very much. And it's a job well done. Like I said, I'll never forget when I saw Bruce Borders and uh, Curtis Hill both doing an Elvis Press impersonation. That, that, <laughs> that will stick with me forever and ever and ever. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so how are mental health things going in Indiana these days? You know, I think we're making strides forward. Um, Indiana has not been known historically to be a leader in mental health. There's a, by some accounts, Mental Health America nationally ranks Indiana as 41st in terms of mental health services. And so that's something that we wanted to work on and improve. And um, as you know, Senator Mike Kreider passed a bill to create the Behavioral Health Commission, and I was lucky enough to be appointed to serve on that commission and uh, came out with some recommendations that led to Senate Enrolled Act 1, which passed last session, and I think that's going to make huge, uh, take huge steps forward for mental health services in Indiana. Uh, help our audience out here. What exactly was in Senate Bill 1, particularly in the mental health perspective? So let me first say that, um, as you know, but maybe uh, everyone doesn't know, Numbers matter at the state house, and so Senate Bill 1 means that the Senate leadership decided that this was going to be their priority bill, so that's never happened for a mental health bill before, so we're excited about that. Um, in that are a number of recommendations. First of all, um, people may be familiar with 988, and that is a call center that is now available to people kind of like 911, but for behavioral health emergencies. So. If somebody, and, and that can be very broad, but the ones that everybody always talks about are suicide attempts or overdose uh, attempts. And so 988 around the country is um, having, seeing amazing results. We're seeing that in Indiana. Indiana actually is one of the top states in terms of response rate. And Mental Health America of Indiana is one of the call centers in Indiana, therefore. And so we're excited about that and excited to help in that regard but it's not it doesn't just stop there at the call center you have to have not only a place to call but you have to have people that can come if you need help we call that mobile crisis units and then you need if if you do need sometimes a place to go we call crisis stabilization units and all of that takes money and so senate bill one senate enrolled act one created um, the policy and the programming that included 988, and then the, the uh, House Enrolled Act uh, 1001, the budget bill, had money. The other thing that um, 
Sentinel Act One did was create a foundation called CCBHCs, which are Certified Behavioral Health Clinics. And that is a new, higher standard of provision of mental health. People are probably familiar with community mental health centers. This is a higher level, higher expectation, more comprehensive, more integrated, and the way services need to be provided today. Um, and so that was the other part. You know, when, when we started the commission, we were going to tackle all these important, what we thought were important issues. Um, you know, mental health issues as it relates to young people, moms, uh, all these other areas. And we realized you can't really do anything until you have a foundation. And we don't have a foundation in Indiana. Sentinel Act 1 would give us that foundation, um, which is basically a 988 uh, crisis response system um, overlapping a CCBHC infrastructure. Steve McCaffrey with us. Uh, he is the head of Mental Health Alliance of Indiana. Uh, talk about mental health here in the state of Indiana. Uh, Steve, uh, when did uh, finally the, the, the approach to mental health issues, or I guess sort of the attitude toward mental health issues, start to change? Because for the longest time, it was... Yeah, you know, grandma's got some issues or someone's got so we'll just kind of just sort of just kind of put them away and just keep them safe but not really do anything about it. So when did mental health really start to the attitudes toward mental health start to change, particularly here in Indiana? Yeah, you know, when I started this job, um, people would always say, Well, people just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and and of course we know that mental illness is a scientific disorder, medical disorder, illness, just like a physical illness and that we need to have appropriate responses to that. And I would say it started to change with the opioid epidemic. Um, people who had never been touched by mental health issues or addiction issues might have become addicted to some prescription medication. Um, it affected communities that um, couldn't pretend that they weren't affected, um, middle-class families in cities and, um, and in rural areas. And so in other words, it's not just one of those, but it's not when it's not a those people problem anymore. Correct. It was everybody. Yeah. And, and very, um, people that were very empathetic when you heard their stories, you felt for them. So I think that was maybe part one of the change. And then part two was COVID. To this day, and while it's not true, to this day, many people and many legislators think that the mental health crisis was created by COVID. And I, I will say it was exacerbated by COVID, um, but it wasn't created by COVID. But nonetheless, if you take those two together, all of a sudden people realized, oh my gosh, we have a crisis, we have an emergency, we need to do something. Uh, how about things, I know uh, you guys have been a lot of work at the state level, how about the county level? Because obviously... You know, a wealthy county like 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 Hamilton or Mary's going to be a little different than say a little, uh, county down in southern Illinois along the southern Indiana along the Ohio River. They really are. So when we build out this infrastructure of nine eight eight and C CBHCs, it's our hope and expectation that we'll be able to address that. One of the biggest issues that we have is rural mental health issues, and so people that live in southern Indiana or in rural communities have the same issues that the rest of us do, um, but they have fewer services and accessibility to those services are even greater because of transportation, but also just because of the number of service providers. And so um, that's a huge issue. You know, one of the solutions I think 
is telemental health. And um, we saw that um, become an important solution used a lot as a result of COVID. Um, but everybody is ramping up in that area. And the studies show that um, the difference in outcome between in-person mental health treatment and telemental health, um, telepsychiatry, it's not that much different. And some people, it, it's actually better. There are some people that it's easier for them to talk through a screen than it is to talk person to person. And so what we need to do is have a myriad of options, um, all the possibilities available, whether it be telehealth, in-person, medication, counseling, whatever. Everything needs to be available to everyone that needs it. And in Indiana, what we've always done is historically we've provided the services that we have, the services that we can afford, as opposed to the services that were actually required. Steve McCaffrey with us on the program today. Steve is the head of the Mental Health Association of Indiana. Uh, they have a organization that focuses on uh, mental health and states. So we're happy to have Steve in studio and sort of talk about uh, mental health issues uh, for a while. How many uh, Hoosiers would you say are estimated uh, impacted by mental health? Not, not necessarily the families, but have seriously mental health issues. Yeah. Depending on what study you look at, um, generally one in four, one in five people are at lifetime risk of uh, mental illness. And that's probably a number that's understated um, that basically is self-reports. So, you know, between, and I know you said people that were directly affected, but between people that are directed, directly affected and then secondarily through families or whatever, mm-hmm. it affects everybody. I used to give speeches back in the day and I'd ask people to raise their hand if they're willing to say if they have a mental health disorder and then do they have a family member with a mental health disorder and then do they have a f- close friend with a mental health disorder? And before I was done, everybody was raising their hand. So how do you tell the difference or between a, a mental health disorder versus, uh, how can I say this, a personality disorder, so to speak, for somebody with a serious mental health issue versus somebody who's just being a jerk, for, for, <laughs> lack, of, for, lack, of a, for lack of a non-scientific term? So we, ha- we do have uh, scientific um, assessments and clinicians that are able to provide those assessments and read them. Um, Like I said, it it really is a medical disorder. And you're right, there's no point in treating somebody who is just like in a bad mood or whatever. Um, We're focused on people that have real diagnosable scientific behavioral health issues, and that's who we want to provide treatment for. Uh, when we talk about uh, treatment, I'm particularly thinking about uh, the homeless situation, particularly here in Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis. A lot of homeless folks have mental health related type issues. What's being done to help those folks to get them off the streets and into a facility where they can get some help? Uh, because it, not necessarily I want anybody to be, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson and the big Indian guy in Cuckoo's Nest and Nurse Ratched, but something's got to be done to get folks into a place where they can get the help that they need. I mean, that really is a struggle for sure. Um, dep- again, depending on the study that you look at, um, 60 to 80% of the homeless population have either a mental illness or an addiction issue. And and I don't know that there's a better way to attack it than rifle shots of what the needs are. So sometimes they need, uh, somebody with a mental health issue needs some kind of assisted um, living arrangement. Um, Sometimes people with addictive disorders need recovery residences. Um, You know, 
you're begging the question, um, you know, we used to have state hospitals and then the movement was to close them down and provide services in the community. And, you know, Mental Health America was a leader in let's serve people in the least restrictive setting. But people forget that the state hospitals not only provided treatment, but they always pro they also provided housing. And so sometimes the housing alternative becomes the criminal justice system. And that's not right. So we need to come up with a housing solution. We haven't. Um, and at least in my mind, um, we need to focus on the particular individuals, what their needs are, what's the best solution. And it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a big institution that's a warehouse for people. It's what is the specific need that they have and how can we provide it for the length of time that they need it. How has your uh, you folks' relationship been with law enforcement? Because I remember having a conversation with uh, Kerry Forsall, the Marion County Sheriff, for like a couple years ago. We said well, our issue is that the, the biggest provider of mental health in Marion County is, unfortunately, it's the jail. And I'm sure it's the same in you know, Hamilton and all over the place. So what have you folks done to work with law enforcement to get to sort of deal with that mental health issue of incarceration? So, yeah, that, that is a problem, and um, we have a great relationship with uh, law enforcement and the criminal justice system. It's, it's funny because they see it in real life, and they see it in their jails, and they know they're not capable of providing appropriate treatment. So I think some of the things that Indiana should be most proud of um, is a series of bills that are um, House Enrolled Act 1006, which you're familiar with, but um, Greg Starwalt, who's a representative from um, Hendricks County, has led the way for criminal justice reform. And we just recently had a, a conference that the Chief Justice organized that had a 1,000 people and people from all around the country, and they're all looking at Indiana as a model for the future. And so what that model looks like is instead of providing um, a, you know, an institution or um, putting people in jail and not receiving treatment, how can we, again, it's a rifle shot, who that's in the jail that's not a security risk that needs behavioral health treatment, who can we peel out of the jail and provide treatment for them? And so some a few years ago, there was a bill that, it was 1006, that passed um, and then we created a program called Recovery Works. And the Division of Mental Health and Addiction um, provides um, essentially um, through providers, oftentimes community mental health centers, provides some kind of diversion, behavioral health treatment for people that shouldn't be in jail, need behavioral health treatment, and, um, and they're not a risk to the community. The 1006 this year, um, they they keep the same number, which makes it easy easy to remember <laughs> and and confusing to keep <laughs> straight. Um, but again, Representative Sterwall had the the bill, and you know one of the issues that we heard about from the sheriffs was, okay, well, what about pretrial? People are sitting in jail, and some of them have a behavioral health issue, and they have no place to go, no way to get treatment. Is there a better way? And so this 1006, the one that just passed, um, recognized that, yes, we need some kind of treatment program for pretrial. 
And then the issue always comes up, okay, well, what, what about the, the individuals that are a security risk, but they still need mental health treatment? And so 1006 provides the opportunity for what they're calling regional treatment centers. And so um, and the Division of Mental Health and Addiction just put out an RFP um, last week and, and essentially, the budget bill provided $10 million so that local communities could provide regional treatment centers to provide treatment and security for people that need behavioral health issues, uh, behavioral health treatment, but they are a risk to the community. Uh, we got just a couple minutes left here for to uh, close up shop. Uh, a, what's being done uh, about young people and mental health issues? Because you know, that, is, that has been the news a lot lately. So not enough. Um, Mental Health America nationally has a screening tool on their website, um, and I would encourage anybody to go there if they're interested. And you can you can take a screen to determine. So there's a difference between a screen and assessment. So so this is not an assessment; it's a screen, but it basically points you in the direction to determine if you ought to uh, get more information and be seen by a professional. And the vast majority of people that are going to that website that are having mental health issues are young people. And so Mental Health America is acutely aware that this is a tremendous issue, but it's also a difficult one because the logical opportunity for treatment is connected to the school system, and that's controversial. And so we need to figure out a way that everybody can come together and agree that Early intervention for young people really does make a difference for people in terms of their mental health needs in the future. And that's where, that's where we need to be focused, prevention and early intervention, and we are not. A final question for you, my friend. If someone uh, has uh, a mental health issue or think they may know someone, a family with a mental health issue, where can they go? How can they start the process to get them help? So there are a number of ways, but um, one is to call Mental Health America of Indiana, and we'd be glad to point them in the right direction. Um, there's also community mental health center system all around the state. And, um, depending on where you live, there is a CMHC that is focused on your geographic area. And you can find that by Googling community mental health centers in Indiana. All right. Well, our guest today on the program has been our good friend, Steve McCaffrey, Mental Health Association of Indiana. Steve, my friend, uh, nothing but the best luck. We have nothing but respect for what you folks do. We appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you at Who's Your Idol again next year. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.